Long History The Second Voyage of Christopher Columbus Part 3 Perplexity and Astonishment St Martin to Hispaniola Hello everyone and welcome to Long History. In this episode we're looking at the second voyage of Christopher Columbus and we're on to part three of this series. It's a six-part series so don't forget to subscribe if you'd like to be informed of when the remaining episodes are released. Now there's a summary of the first journey of Christopher Columbus in part one of this series but we have also serialized the whole of the first journey itself in a series called on Long History, the Journal of the First Voyage of Christopher Columbus. And don't forget that we've got lots of other journeys to explore here on Long History, including lots of famous historic names such as Magellan, Vasco da Gama, Sir Walter Raleigh, Francis Drake. On Long History we give you first-hand accounts from the Age of Exploration. In the previous episode we reached the 10th of November 1493, Christopher Columbus had reached the Caribbean and had actually reached the island of Montserrat, having already visited other islands from Dominica to Guadeloupe. On his previous journey, Columbus left 39 men behind on the island of Hispaniola. It's over eight months since he left those men behind on the island, and his main priority now is to go and find them and see what's happened. On this journey so far, Columbus has met various groups of people who appear to be enemies of each other. One group are known as the Caribs, they are rumoured to be cannibals, and the Taino, who seem to be happy to feed these rumours. As the previous episode ended, we left the crew sailing the seas on the way to Hispaniola, and we pick up the story just as they view St Martin Island. This is the second voyage of Christopher Columbus, Point 3, Perplexity and Astonishment, St Martin to Hispaniola. On that evening we saw another island, and in the night, finding that there were some sandbanks near, we dropped anchor, not venturing to proceed until the morning. On the morrow, another island appeared of considerable size, but we touched at none of these, because we were anxious to convey consolation to our people who had been left in Hispaniola. Mm, but it did not please God to grant us our desire, as will hereafter appear. Another day, at the dinner hour, we arrived at an island which seemed to be worth the finding, for judging by the extent of cultivation in it, it appeared very populous. We went thither and put into harbour, when the Admiral immediately sent on shore a well-manned barge to hold speech with the Indians, in order to ascertain what race they were, and also because we considered it necessary to gain some information respecting our course although it afterwards plainly appeared that the Admiral, who had never made that passage before, had taken a very correct route. But as matters of doubt should always be brought to as great a certainty as possible by enquiry, he wished that communication should be held with the natives at once, and some of the men who went in the barge leapt on shore and went up to a village, whence the inhabitants had already withdrawn and hidden themselves. They took in this island five or six women and some boys, most of whom were captives like those in the other island. We learned from the women whom we had brought with us that the natives of this place also were Caribbees. As this barge was about to return to the ships with the capture which they had made, a canoe came along the coast containing four men, two women and a boy. And when they saw the fleet they were so stupefied with amazement 
that for a good hour they remained motionless at the distance of nearly two cannon shots from the ships. In this position they were seen by those who were in the barge and also by all the fleet. Meanwhile, those in the barge moved towards the canoe, but so close in shore that the Indians, in their perplexity and astonishment as to what all this could mean, never saw them, until they were so near that escape was impossible. For our men pressed on them so rapidly that they could not get away, although they made considerable effort to do so. When the Caribbees saw that all attempted flight was useless, they most courageously took to their bows, both women and men. I say most courageously, because they were only four men and two women, and our people were twenty-five in number. Two of our men were wounded by the Indians, one with two arrow shots in his breast, and another with one in his side. And if it had not happened that they carried shields and wooden bucklers, and that they soon got near them with the barge and upset their canoe, most of them would have been killed with their arrows. After their canoe was upset, they remained in the water, swimming and occasionally wading, for there were shallows in that part, still using their bows as much as they could, so that our men had enough to do to take them. And after all, there was one of them whom they were unable to secure, till he had received a mortal wound with a lance, and whom, thus wounded, they took to the ships. The difference between these Caribbees and the other Indians with respect to dress consists in their wearing their hair very long, while the latter have clipped and paint their heads with crosses and a hundred thousand different devices, each according to his fancy, which they do with sharpened reeds. All of them, both the Caribbees and the others, are beardless, so that it is a rare thing to find a man with a beard. The Caribbees, whom we took, had their eyes and eyebrows stained, which I imagine they do from ostentation, and to give them a more frightful appearance. One of these captives said that in an island belonging to them called Caire, which is the first we saw, though we did not go to it, there is a great quantity of gold, and that if we were to take them nails and tools with which to make their canoes, we might bring away as much gold as we liked. On the same day we left that island, having been there no more than six or seven hours, and steering for another point of land, which appeared to lie in our intended course, we reached it by night. On the morning of the following day, we coasted along it, and found it to be a large extent of country, but not continuous, for it was divided into more than forty islets. The land was very high, and most of it barren, an appearance which we have never observed in any of the islands visited by us before or since. The surface of the ground seemed to suggest the probability of its containing metals. None of us went on shore here, but a small Latin caravel went up to one of the islets and found in it some fishermen's huts. The Indian women whom we brought with us said they were not inhabited. We proceeded along the coast the greater part of that day, and on the evening of the next we discovered another island called Burenken, which we judged to be thirty leagues in length, 
for we were coasting along it the whole of one day. This island is very beautiful and apparently fertile. Hither the Caribbees come with the view of subduing the inhabitants and often carry away many of the people. These islanders have no boats nor any knowledge of navigation, but, as our captives inform us, they use bows as well as the Caribbees, and if by chance when they are attacked they succeed in taking any of their invaders, they will eat them, in the like manner as the Caribbees themselves in the contrary event would devour them. We remained two days in this island, and a great number of our men went on shore, but could never get speech of the natives, who had all fled from fear of the Caribbees. All the above-mentioned islands were discovered in this voyage, the Admiral having seen nothing of them in his former voyage. They are all very beautiful, and possess a most luxuriant soil, but this last island appeared to exceed all the others in beauty. Here terminated the islands, which, on the side towards Spain, had not been seen before by the Admiral, although we regard it as a matter of certainty that there is land more than 40 leagues beyond the foremost of these newly discovered islands, on the side nearest to Spain. We believe this to be the case, because two days before we saw land, we observed some birds called rabiorcados, marine birds of prey, which do not sit or sleep upon the water, making circumvolutions in the air at the close of evening previous to taking their flight towards land for the night. These birds could not be going to settle at more than 12 or 15 leagues distance, because it was late in the evening, and this was on our right-hand side on the side towards Spain, from which we all judged that there was land there still undiscovered but we did not go in search of it, because it would have taken us round out of our intended route. I hope that in a few voyages it will be discovered. It was at dawn that we left the before-mentioned island of Burenken, and on that day before nightfall we caught sight of land, which, though not recognised by any of those who had come hither in the former voyage, we believed to be Hispaniola, from the information given us, by the Indian women whom we had with us. And in this island we remain at present. Between this island and Burenken, another island appeared at a distance, but of no great size. When we reached Española, the land at the port where we approached it was low and very flat, on seeing which a general doubt arose as to its identity, for neither the admiral nor his companions on the previous voyage had seen it on this side. The island, being large, is divided into provinces. The part which we first touched at is called Haiti. Another province adjoining it they call Samana, and the next province is named Bohio, where we now are. These provinces are again subdivided, for they are of great extent. Those who have seen the length of its coast state that it is 200 leagues long, and I myself should judge it not to be less than 150 leagues. As to its breadth, nothing is hitherto known. It is now 40 days since a caravel left us with the view of circumnavigating it, and is not yet returned. The country is very remarkable, and contains a vast number of large rivers, 
and extensive chains of mountains with broad open valleys, and the mountains are very high. It does not appear that the grass is ever cut throughout the year. I do not think that they have any winter in this part, for at Christmas were found many birds' nests, some containing the young birds and others containing eggs. No four-footed animal has ever been seen in this or any of the other islands, except some dogs of various colours, as in our own country, but in shape like large house dogs, and also some little animals in colour and fur like a rabbit, and the size of a young rabbit with long tails and feet like those of a rat. These animals climb up the trees, and many who have tasted them say they are very good to eat. There are not any wild beasts. There are a great number of small snakes and some lizards, but not many, for the Indians consider them as great a luxury as we do pheasants. They are of the same size as ours, but different in shape. In a small adjacent island, close by a harbour called Monte Cristo, where we stayed several days, our men saw an enormous kind of lizard, which they said was as large round as a calf, with a tail as long as a lance, which they often went out to kill. But, bulky as it was, it got into the sea so that they could not catch it. There are, both in this and the other islands, an infinite number of birds like those in our own country, and many others such as we had never seen. No kind of domestic fowl has been seen here, with the exception of some ducks in the houses in Zuruquia. These ducks were larger than those of Spain, though smaller than geese, very pretty with flat crests on their heads, most of them as white as snow, but some black. Columbus has therefore reached Hispaniola, but he has not so far reached the colony that little settlement of men that was left behind on the previous voyage. The signs aren't good, however, particularly in the phrase early on in this episode, where the writer of this letter, Dr. Chanka, who took part in the voyage, states, It did not please God to grant us our desire, that desire being to see the people who had been left behind on the previous journey. In the meantime, in this episode, the crew visited the island of Burenquen, which is today's Puerto Rico, and they also visited the Virgin Islands. There is ugliness and beauty in this episode, the islands are clearly very beautiful, and the Spanish are delighted to explore and document what they see. However, they're also happy to capture people. That perplexity and astonishment refers to the reaction of some local people when they first view the Spanish being completely unable to understand what they're seeing. I suppose the Spanish are also exhibiting perplexity and astonishment, however, at the beauty of the islands they are exploring. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Long History. I hope you've enjoyed it, and if you have, please do give it a like and share it with any like-minded people. There are three more episodes in this particular series, but if you can't wait till those are released, don't forget there's lots to explore on Long History. I'm sure all 250 plus episodes are already available on your podcast provider, but if not, they're all available on longhistory.net, our website, that's long history or one word. Thank you for listening everyone. This was The Second Voyage of Christopher Columbus, Part 3, Perplexity and Astonishment, St. Martin to Hispaniola. Goodbye.